Welcome to our next Perfecting Potatoes Together podcast. Today I'm heading to Angus in Scotland to speak to well-known soft fruit grower James Porter. James and his family have been farming for at least five generations, keeping cattle and sheep, growing barley, wheat, beans, oilseed rape and of course their fruit. But today it's their potato production that I'm going to find out a little bit more about. James is a previous chairman of the NFU Scotland's Horticultural Board and the family hosts regular visits with the Royal Highland Educational Trust, helping schools find out more about food and farming. A very warm welcome, James, to the podcast. Yeah, hi, Rebecca. So first of all, James, can you tell me a little bit about what you grow potato-wise and the scale of the production? I have not a big grow. We have a, around hundred. 20 acres of potatoes. Most of our business is arable with soft fruit, but a lot of our acreage is taken up with permanent tunnels. So we have around two thirds of that is Maris Piper and the rest is Cultra. Talk me through a little bit about the structure of the soil and the landscape in which you're growing these potatoes. Yeah, we're a, a sandy loam. It does get a little bit heavier as you get away from the coast, but we farm right down to the the Angus coast and it's raised beach, the bottom part of the farm, and then it gets progressively slightly heavier. But it is a very temperate climate. You know, we don't get a lot of frost in the winter and it doesn't get too hot in the summer, but it is probably one of the drier parts of Scotland. And I guess the drier part this year has been particularly apparent. We've had quite a dry season. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we haven't turned the rain gun off. all all summer it's been on constantly we do quite a lot of trickle irrigation as well in beds it's actually ram pipe not tea tape it's pressure compensated drippers that has taken a lot of pressure off just being able to switch on blocks overnight and just move around the blocks like that some years you set it up and you maybe use it twice but it's definitely been worth its weight in gold this year Given how dry you've been, have you seen much pressure in terms of disease, things like blight, or not really seen much this year? No, I haven't seen any blight. There's been a very small fleck of scab here and there in the piper, but considering how dry a year it's been, we had no meaningful rainfall for over two months in the summer. The piper are remarkably clean. And in terms of a normal year, what would you normally see James coming through? Um, In terms of yields. In terms of or, year, in terms of sort of disease pressure, do you do you tend to? Uh, well, no, I I would say we have a fairly comprehensive blight spray program. We also put soil treatments in for for black dot and silver scurf on the tuber as well. Yeah, I would say generally, because our land is a bit light, we can get a bit of scurf and black dot if we store too long. So we tend to, our our longest stored crops tend to be the ones from the slightly heavier land. But when they're lifted, they're incredibly clean. So I tend to try and have all of my crop moved by March, April, if possible. It goes to Tesco through Branston. And in terms of supply chain, I know it's been something you've talked about before, but is the supply chain challenges still present or have they got easier over the last few years? Yeah, well, I, I would say the contract... Um, if you can get a Tesco contract, is pretty competitive with others and it's been fairly reliable the last few years. There, there are one or two issues that we're still working on and obviously if you look at 
as a percentage of the retail value, I, I think the Gura is always struggling to get as much as they deserve considering the, the risk that they take. There is one issue at the moment on, there's been a fuel escalator introduced, which basically because the cost of fuel went up, we've been told that our haulage-in is going to go up by X amount. That decision was made in March. We'd signed our contract previous to that, and our fuel costs have also gone up, in fact, significantly more. You know, if you think a year ago, we were paying maybe 50p for gas oil, and now it's over a pound. And our planting and harvesting costs are a lot more per tonne than their haulage costs to the factory. So um, there's an issue there, I think, we need to iron out. But we have had a significant increase in the offer on the contract for next year for Piper and also for Whites. Although I think Whites look to me like they're going to be scarce now. I don't know if that tallies with what you're hearing, but in, I think the yield is significantly back in England and, and also in the continent because of the drought. There clearly won't be a big carryover of Whites into next year. I'd be surprised if whites aren't worth a bit more next year. We're certainly hearing there's um, yields are potentially going to be be down um, as a result, as you said, of the weather this year. Um, I think there's also a big change this year from what we're hearing in the way in which growers are considering planting and, and how much they're putting in the ground in terms of potatoes. Are you planning to make any big changes or is there anything you think that you'll do differently next year? No, no. I try and keep a, a decent rotation and... And I'll just stick with it. But what I have done is I've tried to secure more contracts so that I know where I am and I know what my fertilizer bill is going to be. I know what my fuel bill is roughly going to be. And then I know what I can expect for my crop. I guess the one thing, you know, we're gambling already on what yield we're going to get. I don't really want to gamble on all the other things as well um because it's suddenly it's not just potatoes but everything is so volatile the price of and of things and what you might get for it at the end is so volatile if you got on the wrong side of a deal you could be in a lot of trouble yeah no absolutely and in terms of that reduction of risk what are you doing in terms of when do you drill and how is anything changing in terms of that approach no i i, I think we just we just carry on I think we would always back ourselves to grow good quality packing crops of potatoes. And provided I can see a decent contract for it, then I'll carry on and do that. What I don't think I would do anymore is grow potatoes without a contract or without a security of supply, at least, that I'd have a home for those potatoes. Because two years previous, I found myself with anything out with contract just didn't really have a home and it, it just doesn't add up. And you mentioned earlier that you store on the farm. Do you have any challenges with storing the crop? Generally not. No, we've got pretty decent cold storage. Obviously the electricity prices is, is a big concern for everyone now, right now and I've heard people talking about buying generators and, and things like that. I think this announcement from the government that they're going to cap uh, business charges is going to it looks like it's going to be around 35p at least until March for those who've had to renew contracts that's still more than double what it was last year it's not ideal 
but at least it's something. But then we don't know what's going to happen after March. I think Branson have made a stab at doing something with a energy escalator, electricity escalator. They've offered a lock-in for growers that if the price goes up, they will pay more. But it is only set in July, so it needs looking at. But at least they're making an effort to try and give some insurance to growers. No, it's really good to hear that the the end of the supply chain is supporting growers right from the off. I know there's a number of manufacturers that are now looking at things that support sustainability activity. Are you seeing any requirements either from Branston or from your own personal business that you're doing to try and look at sustainability in the relation with potatoes? Yeah, well, we are leaf members now and we have been for a couple of years. And we did go into that because of fruit, but actually... I think it's just going to become a requirement for everyone at this point. And so that's obviously enhanced action on biodiversity, environmental issues and IPM. As a fruit grower as well, you know, we've been doing stuff like that for years. So it's not a huge jump for us to have to do that, to add that on to our shared produce. I think the single biggest thing that uh, certainly for pre-packing would go a long way to fulfilling our responsibilities in that area would be to have a compulsory rotation. Potatoes are extremely, you know, require a lot more energy to grow. If there's overproduction, it's quite a significant environmental cost. Also, I think nematicides are probably nearing the end, um, you know, and I've seen areas where I've had PCN issues where I've missed out a rotation and gone to sort of 12, 13 years between a crop. The reduction in PCN is is, uh, incredible. So, you know, the single biggest thing I think we could do is is have a compulsory for packing crops one year and six or even seven. And I think that would have a huge impact. And also on on each farm's carbon footprint. Seed is currently, I think, one in seven. And I just just think that it seems like a straightforward thing to do for me. What, what is your current rotation, James? It's one in six. On one farm, it's one in seven. What are you bookending your potatoes with? It depends on the land we're on. On our light land, we've got two years of grass in the rotation and spring barley. On our heavier ground, we have wheat, field beans. We have a break and then we'll be back in wheat. And then we have been doing broccoli and cauliflowers let my cousin neighbor but i've decided to switch out of that and move into oilseed rape so we'll have three crops of wheat beans oilseed rape and then potatoes going forward in terms of giving you the maximum yield do you see the toolbox reduction in products a big issue or do you see new products coming forward that you think will give you some reassurance i think that there are always new sprays come in, blight control and pesticides that seems to keep pushing on and keeping on top of those disease issues that we might have. I think, can't say I'm, that's my biggest concern at this point. Yeah, no, I'm guessing biggest concern, as we talked earlier, is, is things like the cost of actually producing these potatoes going forward. You know, provided we have enough water, if you look at the rainfall over... You know, we talk about drought in the UK. I've got cousins in South Africa and Australia. They would just laugh their heads off if you know, we talk about having drought issues because they know that when you get rain, you store it. And we've got plenty of water. 
it just doesn't always come at the right time, you know. So I think that, you know, government policy and so on could be better on that, that they promote storage, winter storage, boreholes, perhaps more use of trickle irrigation. So I've seen the benefits here. You know, there are ways that you could support that. You might have no limit on your license if you're using winter storage or a borehole. We've got one borehole that's 75 meters down and we've been pumping continuously out of it all summer. And I, I've got a, a gauge, I can check the depth of the, the, the water and it, and it hasn't changed. And any borehole here is replenished in the winter anyway, the ground, the ground water level that more could be done there to support that water use. Because, you know, if, if you're bringing crops in from abroad, I mean, this is an extreme example, say Saudi Arabia, my, a friend of mine worked there on a place that was growing alfalfa, lucerne in the, the northern desert there on pivot irrigation, and it was kilometers deep, and it was all ancient water, it wasn't being replenished. So we've got a an, an amazing natural resource there and I, I think we could make better use of it. I think it's something that many growers will be closely looking at this year after another dry season but you know we were, yeah. were lifting potatoes a couple of years ago in September at the end of September because the ground was was too dry. How are your potatoes this year? Will you be lifting them soon or have you already started? We're well, we're well into it now Rebecca. We'll be finished by the end of the week if I mean I think Wednesday's meant to be pouring but I think we will finish this week, which is as early as we've probably ever finished. The conditions were just, there was just a bit of rain last week that stopped it from being too dry. And to be honest, I think this rain on Wednesday, we're about to lift our lightest land. It's probably not a bad thing it's going to rain again because, you know, we need enough soil going up the web to make sure we don't have bruising. And I think we'll be okay for that now. What is the crop looking like that you've lifted so far? Uh, quite nice crops of piper. Yeah, they're, they're reasonable yields. I would say where we have Kultra is it on a farm just about five miles inland from here that usually it's a bit higher up. It tends to get a bit more rainfall in the summer. And I grow Kultra there and it suffered. It, it, it definitely yields back there quite a lot. It's just not worth having irrigation there because most years you wouldn't use it. I won't take up too much more of your time so you can get back to lifting potatoes. But, um, <laughs> before we finish up, we always ask our uh, podcast interviewees what their favourite potato is. And I don't know if you're going to be biased by what you grow, but what's your very favourite potato, James? Well, I, I do grow pink fair apples in my vegetable patch. Uh, that's definitely my wife's favourite. I like Piper, yeah, so... Those are probably the two I'd go for. But my, my, my grandfather used to try a different variety every day. He would sample them like you would wine. You know, he'd have a different one. And I think he liked King Edwards. Very good. Well, there's a real yeah. mix in them. We've not had, uh, not had them before, so that's good. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much for your time today, James, and good luck with the rest of the season. Yeah, take care, Rebecca. Nice to speak to you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed listening to today's Perfecting Potatoes Together podcast, why not tune in to some of the previous episodes which you can find on the BASF website by visiting the Perfecting Potatoes Together page. In the meantime, we wish you the best with the rest of the season and look forward to our next podcast next month. <laughs>